3: Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find Sports Grids Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening.
2: And Listen to me. This is the Fantasy
1: Football Best Friends Forever show. Start listening to us or suffer the
2: consequences. your
4: BFFs! Your host, Five-8 from Maryland, Greg Sussman! And your co-host, Five-9 from St. Francis, Frank Stample! Ladies and gentlemen, your BFFs!
3: Hey! Welcome you inside of Studio 34, this is the BFFs, he is Frank Stample, I am Greg Sussman. What's happening, Frankie?
5: Hey, happy Tuesday to you, bud. Lots to talk about, a lot of injuries already taking place. Like what, is, what do these guys do in the off-season that they show up to spring training and they can't even walk around without hurting themselves, Greg?
3: What do they do? I honestly, I, I don't even have an answer for you, man.
5: Like, I'm scared to figure out what, like, you do on the weekends, what, what I do on the weekends. I just basically have like, been watching movies. I haven't really done much. Yeah, just, like, lounging around, doing nothing, <laughs> yeah. eating terribly. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what we're doing, and we don't get injured just walking around, Greg, what the hell are baseball players doing in
3: the offseason? I feel like if we, like, tried to work out, like, do, like, the workouts that they're doing, we would yeah. be injured, like, immediately.
5: That's probably true. Like, but we're
3: also not professional that. athletes. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> well, we don't treat our bodies like professional athletes, either. No, <laughs> in January you did. De-
5: yeah, in January you did. I didn't even eat any avocado ice cream, a la the the TB12 diet, but everything pretty close to that. Pretty close, pretty close. How did you sleep last night? How did I sleep? Pretty well. Nice. I haven't had an issue sleeping. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. gone very well. How about sleep. you?
3: Sleeping well? Uh, I slept poorly. Oh, but not my fault. Like, you probably
5: Judy, probably dreamed about like Alex
3: Fasano calling you on the phone. No, Judy yeah. was uh, up all night. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> and she's like, I'm stressed out. I go, like, what? It's work. I'm like, hey, you wake up, it'll be over. Like, uh, come on. Just like, go out, like, out there read your book. <laughs> she didn't like that. Love. She didn't like that, but you'll like this. It's the update. I'm Sean Gwasamaki. Sports
6: Grid. News Update. I'm Sean Glastop. No, I'm Alex Fasano with your Sports Grid news update here on the Fantasy BFFs. Thank you for that intro, Greg. Uh, New Year, another Denny Hamlin win in the Daytona 500, and Joe Gibbs still has the team to beat in NASCAR. Hamlin won his third Daytona 500 on Monday, becoming the first driver since Sterling Marlin in 1995 to win the Great American Race in consecutive seasons. His margin of victory of .014 seconds over Ryan Blaine was the second closest in race history after only Hamlin's win over Martin True Jr. in 2016. Monday's triumph is the third for Toyota, all won by Hamlin. On the other side of the track, Ryan Newman has barrel rolled and slid across the finish line in a crumpled heap of metal. Sparks flying as his car skid to a halt and fuel pouring onto the track frighteningly close to the flames. Fans gasped as track workers placed large black screens around Newman's car and worked to get him out. They had two hours until they got the chance to exhale. NASCAR's officials announced that Newman had non-life-threatening injuries and was in serious condition at the Halifax Medical Center. Reports will follow with more updates. And in Major League Baseball, sports books are expecting the Astros hitters to be targeted often. This offseason, some sportsbooks set the over-under on number of Astros players to get targeted and hit at 83 and a half. In the past five seasons, only nine teams have been hit by pitches more than 83 and a half times. But with anger over the science stealing scandal glooming, there is plenty of reason to believe the Astros will be targeted frequently. Major League Baseball Commissioner Robert Manfred said that Sunday, independent of the Houston situation, he has been planning to increase the disciplinary ramifications for intentionally throwing at batters and will meet with managers This week to discuss the issue And really quickly in the NFL Drew Brees will play in the 2020 NFL season The New Orleans Saints quarterback and the NFL's Career passing leader will return And say quote, make another run Out of it. Brees who turned 41 in January was scheduled to become a free agent In March, but he is ready to play with the Saints Yet again. He holds the records For career passing touchdowns, passing yards And completion percentage I am Alex Visano and this has been your Sports Grid News Update, now back to
3: the fantasy BFFs. A couple of issues uh, on that particular update, Frank. I don't know if you called it. But number one, first issue is by me. Uh, All I, right. I threw it to Sean, not Alex. Yes. Well, that's my it two. was Sean Guasta,
5: Alex Fasano. Great. great opening. That was yes. my fault.
3: A lot of NASCAR in there. A lot, of NASCAR. a lot of NASCAR.
5: Some might argue a top three most popular fantasy sport in the nation, Greg. I don't think that's arguable.
3: <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't think you can make that case. For well, me. the king used to uh, make and, uh, that case. I'm, I'm sure both angles would, would disagree with you. Yeah, that. the angles might, but the BFFs don't. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. So if we could uh, leave NASCAR uh, out of the updates.
5: My NASCAR knowledge goes as far as uh, me, as me, when I was with Sirius XM, as sure. like a, I don't know what the heck you call it, Logging, intern. Uh, logging In- highlights. Intern. Yeah, I used to log highlights for NASCAR. Imagine that. I, logging highlights for NASCAR. I can't think of anything worse. Like Reminds me of the South Park episode. You ever seen it, Craig? You're not a South Park guy, right? I, when I was younger, yeah. I was. Not <laughs> they, have, they have a NASCAR episode. Tell us about your strategy about today's race. Will, I'm going to drive straight, make a lamp, Drive straight, <laughs> make another lamp. You also got to be too
6: poor to drive NASCAR as well and all that jazz. But
5: anyway,
3: <laughs> point being, we don't need any NASCAR in the VFL updates. Is that, is
5: that fair? Yeah, I mean,
3: there was, you know, some Aaron Judge news that
5: came out Yeah, and that might have been helpful. Definitely shouldn't be part of the fantasy BFF news update, Craig. Right.
3: Well... Not though. We're the NASCAR best friends. Not, not to crush your crush your hopes and dreams there, Alex.
6: My apologies. They were the top stories. It was a pretty big
3: Yeah, they were the they were the top stories for a sports program that cares about NASCAR. There was something that he thank did. Thank God that Ryan Newman is okay. There,
5: there was something that he did mention in there that I wanted to talk about real quick. Martin Truex Jr. Not Martin Truex Jr. It was the Astros hit by pitch. This prop is probably the easiest money you'll ever make in your life. 83 and a half. Three teams got plunked. 84 or more times last year. The Astros themselves got hit with 66 pitches last year. You're telling me they're not going to get hit by pitches 18 more times this upcoming season? Also, I know that friend of the program, Spittin' Speeds, Dave Martinez, has been trying to figure out, what do you do with the 26th man? Should you have a specific skill set designated to the 26th man? Maybe a really fast runner, an athletic type runner who could come in and steal bases? I say, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. There's going to be harsh penalties for people who are throwing at the Astros. The 26th man, you designate that player to plunking the Houston or Astros it, it, whenever you play them.
3: The 26th player isn't, isn't a pitcher. It has to be a hitter.
5: Oh. Well, then that doesn't make sense.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a great idea. I, but I was like, come
5: on. You could just use that person to get suspended right. all the time. Sure. And they'll just continuously hit the Houston Astros. Yeah. Everybody wants to do it anyway. I think it was Ross Stripling who already came out and said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to hit him.
3: Oh yeah, they're, they're Everyone's going to do it. They're going to be hit once a series. That's a lock. Yeah, I, I like the over there, over 83.5. Sure, we'll see. We'll see what kind of penalties uh, these guys ultimately get. Um, all right, the big news that Alex uh, did not mention, that was <laughs> the fact that Aaron Judge is not swinging or, or fielding or hitting or, or doing much of anything at Yankees camp right now. Uh, I wish uh, I could be Aaron Judge. <laughs> you want to be John, John Carlos Stanton too? Yeah. <laughs> Just hurt all the time? That's what Do nothing, is. get paid a bunch of money? Seems nice, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Aaron Judge is hurt with shoulder soreness, had an MRI recently. His shoulder's been sore for weeks, had an MRI recently, no change, it's, it's, it's still sore. Uh, as a Yankee fan, Frank, I could tell you, uh, here we go again, as is what happened previously, and it went terribly. Yeah, look, this is uh,
5: this has been an issue for both Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, and we have spoke to Virginia Zakis many times about this, of inside injuries, that these guys are almost too big for their own good when it comes to being a baseball player. Yes, it's great. You could put out all these hype videos of you flipping tires and swinging hammers and whatever kind of crazy workout video you want to do. But when it comes down to it, they're almost too jacked for their own good. Like, you need to have flexibility. And you hear a lot of players talk about that nowadays, that they've done more yoga and they're trying to improve their flexibility so that, you know, when they're swinging the bat, they're not developing any core uh, core injuries and no oblique injuries and trying to avoid back injuries. And, you know, Judge has now dealt with shoulder injuries to both of his shoulders. He had left shoulder surgery after the 2017 season, and now he's dealing with an injury to his right shoulder. Last year, he missed 50 games with an oblique injury. So, uh, look, this this is why I wasn't targeting Aaron Judge uh, outside of a head-to-head points league, if you were drafting with the first overall pick. I uh, hope you watched the whiteboard series yesterday. But uh, I wasn't targeting Aaron Judge mostly because he has not shown the ability to stay healthy, Greg. And there are other players going in that range who have shown us that, who can also do a little bit of everything, whether you play in a roto league, whether you're playing a head-to-head points league, I just
3: can't depend on either one of Judge or Stanton to stay healthy at this point. You know what? It reminds me in football where we talk about points per target a lot, right? Where that's not a thing. It's not a category. You don't get a point per target. And I made fun of you in regards to uh, players like Mike Gusecki, right? Or, um, (laughs) love Mike. Who's the dude on the Bills that everyone was hot for? Duke Johnson, not uh, Duke Williams, I was like, this guy sucks. <laughs> right? Like, what has this guy ever done? I don't I, thought know. Were, I thought you were going to go with Williams.
5: Dawson Knox. Oh, Dawson Knox. What's you went with Duke him?
3: Williams. Yeah. Well,
5: Duke Williams I spoke like, about Duke Williams for like one week. Well, there's always guys a like are CFL this. star, by the way. There's
3: always guys like this that people talk up, And Aaron Judge is obviously better than those types of players. But when he was being taken, and even by me, like, I'll, I'll call myself out on this. When he's called out for, or I'm sorry, being drafted in the first round, and I make the case, like, well, Aaron Judge is better than these players. I'm right. He is. But now he and what, 12 games in 2018, 102 games in 2019. He has this shoulder soreness now. These things linger, and the biggest question mark was his durability. It's not even February 29th, and he's already hurt. This is why you don't avoid Aaron Judge. The guys that are going ahead of him belong ahead of him. we we'll continue talking baseball when we come back.
4: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: Speaking of Aaron Judge, evidently he uh, spoke at Yankee Camp today. And he said... Oh, something he can do, Greg. <laughs> nice. He said that the Astros should vacate their title, players should be punished... <laughs> And the players on that team will never be looked at the same again and doubts that they were clean in 2019. Well, he's not wrong about
5: that last part for sure. And if you ask Rob Manfred, he would agree 100%. Apparently that is enough punishment for the Houston Astros, Greg, that they have to live with this embarrassment for the rest of their lives. That they shouldn't have to be punished. Hmm. I love the comments from Nick Marcagis earlier today. Did you see that? I did not see your tweet from. I saw
3: Nick, Nick Markakis's comments yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see if you. No, no, it. no.
5: I didn't tweet anything about okay, it. Okay. I saw.
3: I <laughs> said he wants to beat all of their asses. Yes. I did see
5: those comments <laughs> yesterday. Yes. That's great. Uh-huh. I love it. Let's go, Nick Markakis. I'm going to draft him in one of these draft champions drafts. Just, just for that? that. I love you, Nick Markakis. Nice. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Yeah. How many? That, that's what we got to set over under. How many brawls happen with the Astros this year? Maybe be a bunch, man. It's going to be sick. Oh. I got more. I got Dude, more. This, this baseball
3: season is basically Slugfest. I love it. So, I got more on Aaron, Aaron Judge quotes, if you don't mind. May I read them? Quickly. Aaron Judge said he was pretty mad and pretty upset about the Astros cheating and being prevented from playing the 2017 World Series. Of Cody Bellinger, I agree with a lot of the things he said. He says he believes the punishment of the players was weak for a player-driven scheme. Judge said it bothers him that the Astros didn't show enough remorse. People lost jobs. People lost money. As far as stripping the Astros of the World Series title, he said, a quote, it wasn't earned. I couldn't sit up here and lie, but it's always going to be in the back of your mind. Judge said he doesn't think access to the replay review room should be restricted in the future, because it's helpful for his own swing and defense during games. Joked they should add more officials. Judge said the ongoing revelations about the Astros continue to make him stick to his stomach, because it reflects poorly on baseball. He even called the most recent Jose Altuve incident Tattoo Gate." Judge, who finished second in the 2017 MVP voting, deleted an Instagram post this offseason, congratulating Altuve on his award because, quote, They cheated. That didn't sit well with me. That post doesn't mean the same anymore. He's not wrong about anything that he said.
5: It was just a matter of time until t- Tattoo Gate became a thing here, Greg. And what I will add to that, and I've heard other people mention this before, for everybody who's out there making comments, and you should. Look, if you're clean, if you're Cody Bellinger, if you're Aaron Judge, and you guys are 100% clean as well, say whatever you want. I'm just saying, nothing better ever come out about the New York Yankees or the Los Angeles Dodgers, because if that's the case, yeah. you are going to get crucified 10 times worse than what's happening with the Houston Astros right now. So, I have no problem, players speaking their mind, Greg, and, and roasting the Houston Astros right now, but if it ever comes out that the Yankees, Dodgers, anybody else was doing something similar to this, which other people have already speculated that this is not the only team in baseball that's doing this, then those players are going to be absolutely roasted as well, and they would deserve that. So... Uh, look, if you're going to point fingers and you're going to call people names and say all this kind of stuff, just
3: make sure that you're clean as well. That's all I've got to say on that matter, Greg. Absolutely. No question no question about it. Okay, let me um, get into what we're talking about on today's program where we were trying to figure out, and we do this every year, and we get it right sometimes, but not like perfectly, right? Like, I feel like we've done better in football than baseball. Nobody's
5: perfect, Greg. That's
3: true. What's the ratio
5: they usually say if you're 60 to 65% as a fantasy analyst? That means you're doing your job? You know, you give me like...
3: Fifty point five percent. I feel good. Give Greg thirty five percent. Let's let's set the bar a little bit lower here, right? Like, no one would listen to me if I was thirty five percent. You're not wrong. Yeah. Anyway, so the idea of today's show was to try to figure out who is this year's blank, meaning who is this year's freakout candidate, pitcher, hitter. Who is a guy that you can rely on, like. That's the point of today's show. Tomorrow's show, we're going to do it from a more negative perspective. We're yeah. like, all right. Today is positive. Who are positive We dragged positive this guy. Players? He sucked last year. We're not going to get caught again on you, Joey Votto. Right? Things like that. Right. But today, much more positive. Right? So, let's start with a guy that we were very upset with last year, Frank. And that was Rafael Devers. In fact, I think we did a whole show last year on who is this year's Rafi Devers. Because he really made us very angry two years ago. We were both in on him. We both loved him. We made sure we drafted him everywhere. And he was very, very bad. Last year, very, very good. Rafael Devers was amazing last year. Before we move on to find out who is this year's Rafael Devers, Frank, I wanted to ask, how good can Rafael Devers be this year's?
5: I think that he can come close to what he did last year as well. I mean, 311 batting average might seem a little bit optimistic, but you look at this guy's minor league track record and the prospect pedigree that he came with, uh, his electric sp- bat speed as well. No Mookie Betts in that lineup might you know bring the counting stats down a little bit, but I think coming close to 30 home runs, hitting 290 to 300 with... 90 to 100 runs and 90 to 100 RBIs is all well within the range of possibilities. Uh, he also stole eight bases last year. I believe all eight of those came in like the first three months, and then he was like caught eight stealing the rest of the way. So I wouldn't expect much in that department. Maybe he gives you five stolen bases, but this is an electric player, Greg, who is being drafted in the second round right now. And it's hard to argue yeah. with anything that he did last year. So I don't really have a problem with where he's going. If you wanted to take an Anthony Rendon just because you felt he was a little bit safer, I think that you can make that argument. But on the other side of the coin, I think you can also argue that Rafael Devers' upside is probably still higher than Anthony Rendon's as well. Yeah,
3: I think it is. And I'm back in, as you have to be, a Rafael Devers. I think the crazy thing for him is he's 23 years old. Like, when we were upset upset by him two years ago, he was 21. It was a 21-year-old season. And we crushed this kid. Last year, he came in in year 22 and just put up mystical, more mythical numbers, in all honesty, with over 30 home runs, almost 130 runs scored, 115 ribbies, eight stolen bases, and he got caught eight more times, which means you have a good chance of getting those double-digit um, double digit steals this year. Sure, the Vavitt was way higher last year than it was the year before, but if you go back two years ago when we thought, or three years ago when we thought he could break out, it was even high then, right? So you look at Rafael Devers this year, and this is a guy that I think you can make a case is a first-round pick, that next year he will definitely be a first round pick. He has all the tools that he could do everything. I think you have to love Ruffy Devers.
5: Yeah, and there's a chance that he just gets better than where he was a year ago, which the hard hit seems, percentage go up. seems crazy. But yeah, like he did this. He did everything that you just said, Greg 37, uh, 32 home runs, over 120 runs scored, 115 RBIs with a 37% hard contact rate. The biggest thing for him, Greg, contact. A key word. He lowered his strikeout rate by 7% last year. His plate discipline uh, is not great. He swings at a lot of pitches outside the zone, and I've learned to kind of give players the benefit of the doubt because if this is who they are, this is who they are. I tried to doubt Javier Baez a couple of years ago. Yeah, she did. And boy, that guy made me look foolish. Rafael you you, you Devers, really hated Javier Baez. Yeah, now I've done yeah. a complete 180. I'm going to have him on basically all of my teams. Uh, but Rafael Devers is, is similar to a Javier Baez where, you know, he chases a lot of pitches outside the zone. But look at his O contact percentage from uh, 2018 to 2019. 63.6% up to 71.9%. That's how often did he make contact on pitches outside of the zone. He raised that eight percentage points last year, and that was a big part for him, cutting down those strikeouts and improving that batting average.
3: So now it's time to play a game we like to call Who is this year's Raphael Devers?
5: Uh-huh. All right, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> I love the animation. We <laughs> Some music under it... <laughs> would have been great uh awesome job by sandro here who is this year's dot 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 and then a great picture of rafael devers's mug right there greg uh maybe we get some music uh, for for next segment sean if we can make that happen uh but Greg, do you want to start with who is your
3: uh who is this year's version of rafael devers so i'm not gonna I'm, listen i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie to the people you know i'm an honest guy and you can lie to, the people. I'm <laughs> lie to the people why would i lie to them you uh, this is one of the segment ideas that you came up with and you go, listen, I want to figure out who this year's Rafael Devers is. And to me, like, I think that guy is Corey Seager. And I was like, damn, like, Corey Seager is one of my guys. I've been very high on Seager uh, ever since he came into the league. Like, I owned him that first year um, in one of my leagues. And when he got hurt, like I stuck with him. And obviously, he was very, very frustrated. He was very frustrating to own last year. He never really got healthy, it seemed. And he was the player you wanted to bring up. So I'm not going like, to take the credit for that, obviously, because it was your guy. But why are we both back in? on Corey Seager this year. What positive signs do you see from him that he could have a massive breakout potentially like Devers?
5: So let's kind of preface this with what we were thinking uh, on who is this year's Rafael Devers. It was a, a former prospect that is being o- underappreciated in fantasy drafts this season who can break out. Maybe he becomes a top three, four-round pick uh, in next year's drafts, in the 2021 drafts. And I think Corey Seager fits that mold. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. He had hip and elbow surgery in the offseason last offseason going into the 2019 season, and I think you saw that early on in the season here, Greg. He got off to a really slow start through the month of April, 236, 333, 364, triple slash with an 89 weighted runs created plus, just two home runs, nine RBIs, a 21% strikeout rate uh, with a 37% hard contact rate. From May 1st on, 282, 335 517 slug, a 120 weighted runs created plus, 17 home runs, 64 runs scored, 78 ribbies, a 7% walk rate, so that actually came down a little bit, but a 17% K percentage, that dropped 4% as well from the first month of the season, Uh, and then raises hard contact from 37% in April to 43.6% the rest of the way. So when looking at Corey Seager, he is someone to me, Greg, that can hit 280 plus this year. Yep hit 25 to 30 home runs, and I think that he can approach or even exceed 100 and 100 in the runs scored and 100 RBIs. Look at the lineup that he's in. They have two MVP candidates in Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger. They still have Justin Turner. They still have Max Muncie. All these guys are going to get on base. Corey Seager projected to bet fifth, sixth, right in the middle of that lineup, maybe even move up a little bit there. I think that Corey Seager can get back to the player we were expecting him to be. The one knock on him, Greg, and it doesn't really matter because where you're getting him, Uh, you don't have to depend on stolen bases in that range of the draft. Really, You want to draft stolen bases early on if you can, is he gives you nothing on the base pets, But can he be a four-category contributor, good batting average, home runs, RBIs, runs scored? I think the answer is unequivocally yes.
3: We'll have more on Corey Seager uh, in a moment. Another player uh, as well coming up, who Frank thinks could be the next Rafi Devers. We have other players we want to get into as well, including a breakout pitcher and even a steady closer. I know it's not sexy, but we'll talk about that too. We're really in the closing tiers at some point, Frank, because I haven't gotten there yet, and I'd like to know who the good closers are this year. So we'll do that at some point. But all right,
7: coming up, the BFFs roll on. More on Corey Seager. And who else could be this year's Rafi Devers? We'll tell you next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: nfl total access the podcast is getting you ready for the 2024 nfl draft
4: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Frank and I are
3: currently arguing about Jose Quintana. When this is to.
5: I don't know that we would call it arguing, Greg. And you know what's crazy? You get to bring up Jose Quintana, right? Who's outside the top 300 NFBC ADP. Sure. When I bring up some obscure player that's going super late in drafts,
3: Greg stops ah, ah, ah. I believe, ah! I, believe I, I believe I did that that's with exactly, Justin Upton. It's exactly and what Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah.
5: <laughs> but you're allowed to bring up Jose Quintana. Oh,
3: bring, you're allowed to bring up who you want. Ah. You could, but like, you could react however you want to on my player. You said when I brought up Jose Quintana. Say, but like, I would hey,
5: say. He sucks.
3: Jose Quintana
5: is not dissimilar from Justin Upton and Andrew McCutcheon. I agree with you. In fact, both of those hitters are going to be better than Jose Quintana. Well, that seems year. false. That's fine. <laughs> but listen, you can Greg react. Just finds his right. Why do you like
3: Jose Quintana, Greg? Tell us. I just think he's criminally undervalued. His, uh, his fit minus ERA was very high last year. Or ERA minus fit was very high last year. Because all of it's high. He <laughs> He stings. It's been
5: bad for like three seasons. I tried to do the Jose Quintana thing His last X-Fit year. The right? XFIP was way lower. Well, All right, what lower, was it? Lower. It was probably still four and a half. We're 20. <laughs> All right. We're 20. The, the, the pitcher that I'm going to talk that, about.
3: I mean, Basically, he was the same pitcher two years the, in a row. The breakout
5: pitcher I'm going to give you later on may or may not have had a 420 Fit last year. It was bad. I'll let you decide. <laughs> All
3: right, fair enough. All right. Uh, what else you got me on Corey Seager here?
5: Uh, Look, I think we hit on most of it. Uh, He did raise his launch angle last year as well. It was the highest of his career with a 14-degree launch angle. So he started to lift the ball a little bit more, started hitting more fly balls. Uh, He did struggle against left-handed pitching, which I didn't like when I looked into the profile. But every other year, he actually had been better than he was last year against lefties. So I would expect him to regress a little bit back to where he has been against left-handed pitching recently. And I just think everything about him from where he's being drafted to team context just makes a ton of sense. He's going uh, pick 148 in the month of February in NFBC ADP, which is right around Kyle Tucker. Has immense upside. Don't know if he has a job or not. Nope. David Dahl, another one who might actually fit this description of a Rafi Devers, but can't stay healthy either. Uh, he's going right around Hector Naris, who should be the closer for the Phillies. Uh, Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux has immense upside as well. Dude, that's the craziest thing to me. But you know
3: Corey Seager is going to be in the lineup every single day. So, I'm glad you brought that up. Right. Because I don't know if that's true. Right? Corey Seager, uh, in his, I guess one of his breakout campaigns, 2016, he had 157 games. Since then, 145, 26, 134 last year.
5: But he finally had a healthy offseason, Greg. He didn't T- have
3: any surgeries this offseason. Totally, off season. totally get it. But we know the Dodgers, and we know how they want to arrest people and move people around. Is Corey Seager now in that kind of rest rotation? Like, I get it. He's only 25 years old. He'll be 26 in April. He shouldn't be. He should play every single day. I just don't know that he will. I, I hope he does. But, like, Chris Taylor can play shortstop for this team. Now, Gavin Lux, that's what's nuts to me. They're going back-to-back ADP-wise. Because Gavin Lux isn't going to guarantee starting job. That's the annoying thing. But
5: this is, uh, this is the motto, man, Randy Savage, right here, Greg. The cream sure. always rises to the top. Sure. And a lot of people are excited about Gavin Lux. I just
3: can't justify
5: it. I, I mean, spoke to James Anderson of Rotowire on FSC, and he said he had a hot take that Gavin Lux outproduces uh, Luis Robert this upcoming season. I don't think so. Luis Robert is going like the fifth, sixth round in NFBC drafts. Well,
3: when you brought up Luis Robert going there, I asked you, if he does that, he has to be Ronald Acuna. Is Luis Robert Ronald Acuna? He said, no.
5: No, I don't think he is either. So I think there's makes, more holes in the swing than that Ronald makes, Acuna. Then it makes
3: no sense. I'm not going to own any Luis Robert this year. Yeah. Okay. just based on where he's going. All right, let me move on from Corey Seager because there's other players we want to get to on today's program. Um, and that leads us next to another player that you've been high on. You've talked about him a lot that you think could be this year's Rafi Devers. And he is... That would be Miguel Sano, Greg, to the surprise of... of Noah! Nobody!
5: I love Miguel Sano. This is one of my guys that I just can't quit. Similar to Justin Upton... Uh, I I saw Miguel Sano come up through the minors and it felt like he was someone I was stashing everywhere that year where he first kind of burst onto the scene and kind of took the league by storm and ended up hitting 18 home runs and 80 games back in 2015. And ever since then, uh, he's just been my guy. And look at what he did last year. It's hard to argue with the production. It's just a matter of health, right? Like how healthy is Miguel Sano going to be? How many games is he going to play this upcoming season? The guy hit 34 home runs and 79 ribbies who, you know for most players, if you ask them, that's a great full season in 105 games. That's just insane, and I really like the fact that Nelson Cruz joined the Minnesota Twins last year. I thought that he could actually have an effect like this on Miguel Sano to, to have that veteran leadership, a presence in the locker room, someone that, frankly, is similar to, uh, to Miguel Sano, a bigger body type, a, a masher, someone who hits for a lot of power as well, and, and ultimately, I thought that it ended up... Helping Miguel Snow. And if you look at his StatCast page, Greg, if you pull up his baseball savant, it's just a sea of red. It's just red everywhere. The guy just mashes when he makes contact. 21% barrel rate. That was 99th percentile in baseball last year. 94.4 mile per hour average exit velocity. 99th percentile. When he makes contact, he makes really good contact, Greg. So everyone's looking at Pete Alonzo in the third round range, and they're looking at uh, Matt Olson in the fifth round range. Who's to say that if Miguel Sano plays 100, just give him 130 games, Greg, 130 games, that he can't hit 250 with 40 to 45 home runs? I think it's definitely doable. It's just a matter of him staying on the field. We'll see if
3: Sano has the ability to stay on the field this year. He has not shown that capability yet. He has never played more than 116 games. We'll see if he can do it. He strikes out a lot, too, though, man. He strikes out a lot. So much. Like, we talk about
5: Aaron Judge striking out 30, 32% of the time, and that's a lot. Miguel Sano career thirty six percent strikeout rate. Uh, the batting average is not going to be good. He's a career two forty five hitter. I would expect between a two forty and two fifty batting average. But I don't think that that's that far off from guys like Pete Alonso, guys like Matt Olson. Uh, and if you ask me to to name the players who have the potential to hit fifty home runs this year, Greg, you could probably count them on
3: one hand, maybe two hands. Miguel Sano is one of those players. I think I think that's completely reasonable. Miguel Sano has the ability to potentially become this year's Rafi Davis. Let me move on, Frank, to the pitcher here. I want to move on to this year's Lucas Giolito, where uh, last year he's a former top prospect who people really kind of broke down, right? They told you all the reasons why Lucas Giolito wouldn't be good and that he wasn't as great as Nationals been about to be. When the White Sox acquired him as a crown jewel um, in a big trade with Washington, they... It was for naught, like the Nationals knew something when training Gilito, Gilito away. Then he debuted, it wasn't good, and last year, well, it was all great. He blossomed before our eyes. Can this year be as good as last year for Lucas Gilido? Well, first of all, he has to get healthy
5: because he's someone who's also dealing with an injury.
3: Last week it came out,
5: he had some uh, a sore rib cage. I think he had a, a muscle strain in his chest as well. So Lucas Giglio, first and foremost, has to get healthy. But I absolutely think that he can repeat what he did last year, Greg, and, and potentially even build off of it and get better. He changed his mechanics up. He has uh, a new pitch mix that he uses. His fastball change-up combination is deadly, 15% swinging strike rate last year. Uh, that was a career high. That was 6th among starting pitchers last year. And I really like what we saw in the second half, Greg, where he started to give you length, go deep into games. In 12 second half starts, Greg, he went at least 6 innings pitched in 11 of those. So I really like that aspect of Gilito. And Grandal joining this team is going to help their entire pitching staff. He's one of the best pitch framers in all of baseball. So you're going to help Lucas Giolito, someone who has struggled with command at times in his career, steal strikes because of pitch framing? Sign me up, man. I I love where is going this year. I I like getting him as an an SP2, ideally, if you can, in that third, fourth round range. uh, Or potentially SP1 if you wait a little bit. But... I do like Giolito. I just want to see him get healthy here for spring training, Greg.
3: I like Giolito as well. I I think the breakout was real last year. Those double-digit strikeouts were freaking awesome all season long. And obviously going deep into the game in the second half of the year makes you feel like he's in a good spot this year. I think Lucas Giolito can certainly build on on what he did last season. And I'm in on Giolito here in 2020. But the question isn't about Lucas Giolito. It's about who can be this year's Lucas Giolito. So it's time to play a game we like to call Who will be this year's Lucas Giolito? Who can it be now? Who can it be now? Who will be this year's Lucas Chialito? Frank, we turn it over to you. Who's your guy? Who
5: All right, so stick with me here, Greg. I oh, know so that <laughs> you're you're ready to give us Jose Quintana.
3: Well, I, mean, <laughs> I don't think that fits this bill. But sure.
5: and uh, I'm going to give you Tyler Beatty Why of the San Francisco Giants? Why, why would you do this? With an, Greg, this guess is NFBC ADP, please. In the month of February, three thirty. 498. We're gonna go with 498. But think about where Lucas Giolito was being drafted last year. Do you have that information? He, no, I don't actually. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to Google, you could, if you Google 2019, 2019 fantasy baseball ADP, you'll probably find it somewhere. Okay. But I know in 15 team leagues, Greg, where I was playing last year, he was undrafted in those. It's hard. When you Google 2019? It still just gives you the. 2020. All right, so maybe it's not as easy as I thought, but I played in 15-team leagues last year, mixed leagues, where Lucas Gilito was not drafted anywhere, uh, and he was a waiver-wire pickup and ended up emerging, and he was great. And most people had basically written Lucas Gilito off. Tyler Beattie kind of fits that mold. As somebody who is a former top prospect of the San Francisco Giants, people have basically written him off. Uh, and I want to give a shout-out to Michael Aieto of Pitcher List because he did a fantastic breakdown of Tyler Beatty, uh, and he wrote about it at pitcherlist.com. Going deep, Tyler Beatty has flashed some promise is the name of the article if you want to check it out. Uh, Mikey Aieto PL on Twitter uh, is the author of this article as well. Greg, Tyler Beatty was one of five pitchers last year who had three different pitches with a 15-plus percent swinging strike rate on three different pitches. The pitchers that he joined, Garrett Cole, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Gallen and who you guessed it, Joe Musgrove. Of course, he joined that group. That's some pretty good company to be a part of there. Uh, and last year, he he made a pitch mix, uh, a change to his pitch mix. He started using a slider, and from July second on, uh, with that slider incorporated, he has a fastball, a curve, and a changeup. He uses as well. Four four two ERA, not great. Four two six x FIP, over eight Ks per nine, right around two walks per nine. So vastly improved command from Tyler Beattie. Uh, and he improved his first pitch strike percentage up to 65%. He has a spot in the rotation. Gabe Kapler is raving about him right now. Greg, we could talk about him more when we come back, but I think that Tyler Beattie is someone who fits the mold of a Lucas Gilito as a former top prospect who people are
3: forgetting about to the T. All right, we'll have more on Tyler Beattie. I'll give you another name you don't want to forget about on draft day. Stick around. More of the way with your BFFs next
4: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: So, back here on the BMFs, we're trying to discover who the next Lucas Diolito is. Uh, Frankie, you're in Tyler Beattie with the San Francisco Giants and your boy Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kaffler, not my guy. I Definitely. Your, your boy, Gabe Kaffler.
5: Not my guy. Yeah. Uh, because here we go again with the closer carousel with the same Here we Francisco go, Giants. here
3: we go, here we go again.
5: You done? Yep. Is that the latest Jonas Brothers song, Greg? Okay, go song, like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, close enough. Uh, no, I like Tyler Beatty. I, Jonas I think Brothers are also awesome. I think he fits the mold of a former top prospect who people are forgetting about. He And rightfully so. I mean, he hasn't been good at the major league level. He hasn't been good in the minors. He struggled with command for most of his career, until last year, again, from July 2nd on, uh, we saw him up over eight Ks per nine, right around two walks per nine. The first pitch strike percentage was improved. The swinging strike rate, uh, as I mentioned earlier, on three different pitches was very good. Started incorporating a slider, changed up his mechanics last year as well. That all sounds a lot like Lucas Giolito. Giolito changed the mechanics last year, started using fastball change-up combination more. He did see increased velocity on the fastball, did Giolito last season. So that's something I'll pay attention to uh, throughout the spring with Tyler Beattie. See, you know, if he is improving in terms of velocity, Greg, but I think that he fits this mold, uh, and especially pitching in San Francisco and Oracle Park. It's a good pitcher's park to pitch in. uh, If you play in an NL-only league or in one of these deeper 15-team mixed roto leagues, I think you take a shot at the end of your bench, one of your last-round picks on
3: Tyler Beattie. For me, I'm not going to go far in looking for the replacement for Lucas Giolito. Not the replacement, but the next Lucas Giolito. I looked kind of deep, I've had some older guys that I kind of like: Garrett Richards with San Diego being one of them, Dylan Bundy and Atlanta kind of, like, or I'm sorry, Anaheim kind of like that. But I like Dylan Cease a lot too for the Chicago White Sox, and very similar, right, to Lucas Giolito, top prospects for this team. Gets called up, really struggles in his first taste in the majors. And the biggest bugaboo with Dylan Cease last year, and really his entire minor league career, if I'm being honest with you, it was the walks. He constantly walks batters. His uh, walks for nine last year was an ungodly 4.32. But if he can get the walks down, and we saw the control issues with Giolito two years ago, if he can get the walks down, I think Giolito, I'm sorry, Dylan Cease, I think he could find some success with the White Sox. I know, Frank, you were already counting him out, thinking Michael Kopech will come back and just take his rotation spot.
5: We're likely going to take Gio Gonzalez's rotation spot. I mean, he just
3: signed Gio Gonzalez, so I can't promise you that. But, he stinks. But Dylan Cease, in his last three starts, allowed a grand total of three runs last year. Three runs in his last three starts. Now, one of those starts, he only went three in the third innings because he walked five guys. That's an issue. Yes, it is. It, the DS he went into a game was seven innings last year. That's a bit frustrating. But the strikeouts can be there. His K-9 last season was 9.99. So basically a 10K for nine. If the walks come down a little bit, Frank, and again, we haven't really seen that in his minor league profile that the walks are going to come down. But if they do, I think you're looking at somebody that could be a really nice find that doesn't cost you anything that has a top prospect pedigree. I
5: agree with you. I I like this call a lot when it comes to Dylan Cease and basically free in drafts right now. Uh, His ADP in NFBC in the month of February is 289, so it seems like people are writing him off a little bit too early. He fits that mold, Greg, of like a a Mitch Keller as well, someone who people are writing off uh, way too early as a former top prospect who struggled... with his first taste in the majors. Same thing with someone like Griffin Canning as well, although there are some injury concerns when it comes to Canning. I I think Dylan Cease, this call makes a lot of sense, Greg. He has four different pitches that he uses. He throws like 97 miles per hour. Oh, and by the way, Yasmani Grandal, someone who struggles with command and, you know, walking too many batters, you know, being able to steal strikes with a pitch framer like Yasmani Grandal is going to help all the White Sox, uh, and specifically I think it's really going to help someone like Dylan Cease a veteran catcher who's in there to help one of these young starting pitchers. Free. I agree. I, I like this call. I think, you know, at the end of your drafts, Dylan sees Tyler Beattie. I think these are two names that do have a decent amount of upside just based on where they're going, Greg. They're free. They're
3: absolutely free. And the problem is for me, Frank, there's a lot of these guys that I like. You just named a whole bunch of them. We went through the break. We Just named load them. up your whole bench on, like, all these guys. Can we do that? Yes. Okay, I, cool. I
5: think it's something that people should be doing. That's like a GST move for us. Yes, and I'm sure Michael Florio is, is not going to dispute that. He will not stand in our way. Because he is, loves
3: taking quality over quantity. Here's the problem. You're going to want all these like old veteran hitters. I'm going to be so angry. <laughs> that has to be the issue. Well, look, you have to you have to counteract
5: the right. median age on your team, Greg. <laughs> so if you're going to have all these young starting pitchers, you got to have a few Justin Uptons and Andrew McCutcheons
3: on your team as well, Greg. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Alright, uh, we only have about five minutes to go in the show. So, we wanted to go and figure out who is going to be this year's Shane Green. I don't need Shane Green projections for this year because he's not the closer uh, in Atlanta. And he stinks! And he stinks! But he didn't stink for Team BFF over the last two years. He was my guy, Frank. I always try to find one of these like crappy closers. You're the closer whisperer. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Well, with the crappy guys. With the crappy guys. I don't care who they are as long as they get a save, Greg. Shane Green's been our guy. But no longer because he's not the closer anymore. So... We need to figure out who this year's version is going to be. So let's do that in a game we like to call Who is this year's Shane Green? Who is this year's Shane Green? That's a question, Frank. I don't have my answer. What's your answer?
5: I'm going to go with Keone Kella of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And when we're asking who is this year's Shane Green, it's a later round closer who has the potential to be traded by midseason. Maybe they give you 15 to 20 saves before they get traded uh, around the MLB trade deadline. My pick is going to be Keone Kella, who has flashed some strikeout upside in his career, averaging over 11 case per nine. Also has a career 3-2-3 ERA, a one WHIP. It uh, Looks like he's going to be the closer for the Pittsburgh Pirates to start the season. How about this, Greg? Last year, everybody is mashing the ball, hitting the ball extremely hard, raising the average exit velocity. Keone Kella, just a 27% hard contact rate. So did a great job in terms of limiting hard contact, even for a pitcher who throws 96, 97 miles per hour. Uh, I like Keone Kella this year as someone who maybe gives you 15 to 20 saves before he gets traded. And if he doesn't get traded, he might even give you 30 saves this year,
3: Greg. Why not? Keone Kella has, has closing experience, which people love. We'll get to that in a second. With Pittsburgh, we'll see what Kella can be. For me, my guy... Brandon Kinsler with the Miami Marlins. This is a team that doesn't like to spend that, month, that much money. Bruce Sherman, whatever, went out, said there were all the right things yesterday. a lot of people really liked what Sherman had to say. But one of the things that Don Mattingly has made clear is when they signed Brandon Kinsler, he's our closer. He's our guy. And just having, knowing that, even if you're on a bad team, bad teams win games too, right? Even the worst teams in baseball win 60 games, give or take. And most of those games are pretty close. If you have a guy that could be the closer all year long there, we'll see if Kinsler gets traded again. But if you have a guy that can be the closer, has the experience, actually performed well in the, in, uh, the previous opportunities he's gotten in that role, that could be a real fine for you. My guy is Brandon Kinsler. The Miami Marlins.
5: Yeah, and I don't have a problem with Brandon Kinsler. I think the Miami Marlins might surprise people a little bit this upcoming season. I'm not saying that they're going to compete in the National League East. It is a stacked division, but I think that they do have some talent on this team, and he has closing experience. He has 49 career saves, a 268 ERA last year with a 104 whip, and Craig Mish. Co host of Fantasy Sports Today spoke with Brandon Kinsler and Kinsler kinda joked with him saying, Yeah, I'm gonna say forty games this year. He knows that he's gonna be the It's not a joke. It's accurate. I hope that you're correct, Greg, and I have no problem taking Brandon Kinsler as my third closer in a roto draft. I don't know how you like to break it down, Greg, but in a roto draft, you take nine pitchers. Um, there's no designated titles. You don't have to take like a set amount of starting pitchers, set amount of relievers, but I like to go with six starting pitchers in my lineup and usually three closers. Two closers that I feel pretty good about, and then maybe someone who you don't know if they have the role for sure, uh, but you just kind of plug in there and hope. I think Brandon Kinsler fits that mold as the third closer that you just kind of throw in there. You hope that he gets you however 20 saves. In your case, 40 saves, Greg. And I agree with you. I think he's going to be the guy for the Marlins.
3: Yeah, I I think Brandon Kinsler... I don't want to say trust him because you don't trust that third closer or the Marlins closer uh, ever so strongly. But I think Keller fits the bill too. You just want to find a guy on a bad team that's going to hold on to his job.
5: And it's a great point that you bring up about closers on bad teams. Sure, guy. look at Kirby Yates last year. Well, that's what I was going to bring 41 up. Forty-one saves. He led baseball in saves last year so on Kirby- the Padres, who won like seventy-seven
3: games. But think about it before that, right? So Kirby Yates, we all bought into Kirby Yates before that in San Diego. It was Brad Hand who was the best closer in baseball for a little while. Now it's Kirby Yates playing for a terrible Padres. Teams. Felipe Vasquez, terrible person. Got a bunch of saves with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They stunk last year, too. Reliable was Felipe Vasquez. Kayla could be that reliable this year. Um, yeah, so I think both these guys fit the mold of what we're looking for. Uh, who is who has replaced Shane Green in Detroit? Is it still Joe Jimenez? Joe Jimenez, yeah. He was
5: viewed to be the closer of the future. Like Joel (laughs) Zumaya. God, that's a blast in the past. Love the beard. The beard yeah. on Joel mind, sure. that was a good one. Everyone's was uh, very good, though. Joe Jimenez is probably part of this mix as well. I would say he's probably less likely to be traded away, though. He's probably going to remain with the Detroit Tigers. He's young. He's controllable. So does that mean we should bank on him rather than our guys? The problem is, he's probably he's just not going to be as good. Like his ERA and whip yeah, is going to be worse totally. than, than players like Keone Kella and, and likely Brandon Kinsler as well. Uh, but he was someone who was thought to have upside to be the closer of the future out there in Detroit. Uh, and as of now, it looks like he has that role. Getting back to Brandon Kinsler, yeah. who is really going to push him for that closer's job? You know, they brought up Jose Urania, who has been in and out of the rotation in his career. Hasn't really lived up to his expectations. Uh, they have Ryan Stanek, who they traded for with the Tampa Bay Rays last year, who was used as an opener at times. Uh, he's shown us a little bit, but Brandon Kinsler has that experience. I-, I believe they brought in uh, Brad Boxberger recently on a minor contract, league contract. Yeah, but he hasn't been good. So I think Brandon Kinsler's job
3: and his role is pretty safe. I feel good about it. I feel good about Kinsler. I feel good about Keone Keller because the managers, both Don Mattingly uh, and who's the manager Pittsburgh. Derek Shelton. Derek, actually, this is an hour ago, too. <laughs> First-year manager. <laughs> I'm usually the manager guy, too. Well, Derek Shelton and Don Mattingly have come out and said, these are our closers. When you're getting that in February, you feel really, really good. Now, if
5: only we can get that with the St. Louis Cardinals, Craig. <laughs> because your guess is as good as mine. I think it's if you could be give me
3: Gallegos. If you could give me like the rotation in St. Louis, that would also be helpful. Speaking of the Cardinals, yeah. they're bad. You, not good. Their team is not good. No. The, the I looked under, at that roster the other day. The lineup is... Outside of Goldschmidt, not great. Pitching, very bad. Yeah. I don't have any Adam Wainwright's like their third starting pitcher. They have no good players. Yeek. All right, we'll tell you about more players that are going to be bad on tomorrow's show. Come up next? It's coast to coast. It's Scott Farrell. Thanks to Sean and Alex
7: downstairs. He's Frank. I'm Greg. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We, we hope. hope-
0: $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans, covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals.